Well, for the last four weeks, we've really been preparing for Christmas. So into the, the darkness of this world, a light has appeared, a baby born in a stable. The light, the life appeared, and John says, we have seen and testify. The Father sent the Son as the light of the world, and he invites us to step into the light. That is a a hard thing to do, we've said, a humbling thing to do. In the light, our deeds are exposed. So we need to repent. We need to be forgiven. But in the light, Jesus meets us, and he restores us, and he gives us the right to be children of God. Christmas is, is glorious in what it means. But most of us, many of us here, will be influenced by Western individualism. So that is where we stop the story, where I've just got to. Job done at that point. It's like God's plan was to save me, and then really I'm just uh, marking time until Jesus says it's time to go home, on my own, in the light, in a sort of beautiful sunlit garden. Well, this morning, John wants to open our eyes. He'll say, look, look at what you could be doing in the light. And look, look at who else is there all around you. Open your eyes and look around because there are others who stepped into the light before you did. And even now, there are people who are stepping out of darkness, shaking off the old way of life, the old way of walking, maybe frightened by what that means, but full of joy to be children of God with you, walking now with Jesus. So please open up 3 John, if you haven't kept it open. It is, I think, the only book of the Bible in our Bibles that doesn't have a page number visible on the page, uh, because it is so short. Page 1230 is the page, and we have three points about walking, uh, walking in the truth. So the first one is very similar to 2 John last week. Uh, Notice again that truth gets top billing, where maybe we would expect uh, a different idea to dominate. Verse 1 is all about love, but verse 1, my friend, my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Verse 2 is all about the good walk. Uh, good health, uh, you'd go well, spiritual progress. Verse 3 is all about joy and faithfulness, but all of them are in the truth. Verse 3, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Uh, In our series that we've been in for four weeks, the the first two weeks really focused on the truth. We said Christianity is a revealed religion. Jesus, he came into our world from the outside to give us the truth. And we've said Christianity is a sin religion. Jesus died because I needed someone to pay for my sin. And then last week, we got into um, negative territory, the negative implications of that, If Christianity is a revealed religion and a sin religion, then it must also be a boundaried religion. 2 John says, do not welcome, do not support those who bring a different truth. But the overall concept 
of truth and sin is massively, massively positive. In the truth is love and joy and good walking and spiritual progress. Authentic apostolic Christianity is, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And walking in the truth, it is a, a beautiful idea. Just for a second, to use the, the theological vocabulary for this, in John's letters, walk in the truth, that is to talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, that both of those things are beautiful. He doesn't use those words. Later theologians have used those words. But John, he has not left us to guess what it means to walk in the truth. So for the last time, here is the, the three that we've put up uh, each week, the three braided themes in these letters. Uh, we've said it is not multiple choice in John's letters. It's not pick any one of these that you think you're good at. Uh, it is all three together, but it is very, very reassuring. If you have these three, then you know that you have the Father and the Son. So walking in the truth, it is about obedience to the commands of Jesus, orthopraxy, right practice. Walking in the truth, it's also about practical, active love for the other adopted children of the Father. That is also orthopraxy, right practice. And walking in the truth is also about continuing to believe the great central truths about Jesus, orthodoxy, uh, right doctrine. So walk in the truth and you walk with Jesus. Uh, Certainly he is not absent from this imaginary sunlit garden. He is with us by his spirit and we walk with him. But this morning's focus is all about the other people, the other children of the Father who we also walk with in the light, believing the same things, walking in the same direction. And as we walk there, we discover such a collection of others going in the same direction. Unity is not about sitting still in the sunlit garden on your own. I think that is how most of us think of uh, of unity. It's about sort of good behavior in an English country garden. That's the idea. Uh, sitting still in the garden, maybe, uh, maybe even sharing your picnic with some others who happen to be sitting on their own nearby. So I'm here with my sandwiches, um, and you're over there with your jollof rice, and um, unity means smiling and waving, and it means me really hoping that you'll swap one of my horrible sandwiches uh, for some of your rice. Uh, Is that the unity that we think that Jesus wanted? If so, no wonder we find it difficult. That is sort of commanded unity, And pointless unity, isn't it? Unity without really anything in common. So no, um, get rid of the garden. Get rid of the garden. Whoever said that the Christian life was like being in the garden already? Um, We've come into the light out of the darkness. And the, the, the dangers and the cliffs, they are all around us. And we have an urgent shared purpose. We are to walk with Jesus, reaching out into the darkness to others at risk of their opposition, in danger of falling back into the darkness ourselves, and rejoicing every time we can bring the light of God into a life or a home or a community. And on that walk, um, we're not here with sandwiches. I'm here in my armor. Uh, that's the, the Advent collect. Cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
I'm in my armour and you're in your armour and I don't care if you're fueled by rice or sandwiches because we are doing this together. Uh, Walking in the Old Testament is a metaphor of obedience. He shows us the road and we are to walk in it, neither turning to the right nor to the left. And walking in the Bible is about purpose. It's about where we're going and what we're doing. And of course, I love those who share that purpose and help me with it and pull me out of the swamps when I fall in. And of course, the apostle has no greater joy than hearing that we are walking in it still. Unity in the truth is a a totally different thing from niceness in the park. It is beautiful and joyful and loving and real, and it is changing the world. Um, I've... um, sort of been as a Christian. I've, I've gone as a Christian to meet other Christians in Rwanda and Kenya and Singapore and Australia and Crimea and Albania. And I found brothers and sisters in every place. And the, the cultures across that range are, are so different. And I, I don't want to say that um, work on cross-cultural does not um, need hard work and humility. I've made mistakes and I found it difficult. But when you meet those walking in the same truth, actually, fundamentally, unity is easy, isn't it? Has that been your experience? I've, um, I've stepped off a plane and onto a bus and been dropped in a, a village somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and I've evangelized alongside people that I'd only just met. With total trust and confidence. I've prayed with them. I've been trusted by them with, with deep pastoral needs. I've learned how to love Jesus more from them. Uh, they have trusted me to teach them and to speak to their friends about Jesus. Compared to crying, trying to create unity where there is not agreement in the truth, um, this is beautiful and easy. And of course, we, we do not need to get on an airplane. Um, look to your left and look to your right. Uh, step outside of all souls as you walk to the tube uh, and think of all the other Christians uh, in this room and in this town. This is beautiful and this is easy at one level. And because truth is about walking and because truth is purposeful, John's headline for us is our second point. Those who walk in the truth ought to support other people of the truth. Uh, Really, the the whole sermon this morning is there in that verse uh, 8 and that word that I have in capitals in the heading. Let me read you verse 8. We ought therefore, and the therefore is about the fact that these people, they are brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers, verse 5, and they've gone out for the sake of the name, the name of Jesus, and that no one else will help them, that the pagans won't help them. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Um, We said last week, two John and three John, they are a, a carefully balanced pair. Uh, last week was the negative. We were told not to welcome those who have walked away from the truth. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. And maybe you left last week um, fearful that, that this could leave us in a very negative place as a church. Um, the moment you say that, that Christianity is about boundaries, 
Uh, maybe you fear that those boundaries are going to get tighter and tighter and tighter until you have to agree on everything to be okay at all souls. That is a genuine danger, and it is something that happens frequently to churches that are forced to take some kind of stand for the truth, which is where we find ourselves now. This is a real danger, um, and it may already be um, a danger for us uh, at All Souls. As part of the All Souls Listens survey, we asked everyone this question. Do you agree that All Souls is a safe place to explore different points of view? I don't know if you remember how you answered that question. Um, 55% said yes, uh, which is good. But 16% said no. And do some maths. Um, I think that leaves 29% who are not sure uh, whether this is a safe place to explore different points of view. And um, that needs, seems to me to be something we need to pay urgent attention to. I want this to be a safe place for exploring different points of view, uh, a place where it is safe in particular to disagree with me and to say so and to come and talk to one another about it. Walking in the light actually is all about that. It's about clarity and openness about what we think and why. That's the point of, of you know, page 1230, uh, even though it's the only page in the Bible without the page printed on it, uh, because so that you can see what is here and whether or not I'm actually getting what I'm saying from the verses uh, with an invitation to search the scriptures and to see if we can help each other. Um, to become a, a negative, tighter and tighter church would be a bad thing to be. I, um, I read a book recently on how important creeds are, uh, the kind of thing I was talking about with, with approval last week, um, and I was agreeing with lots of the book until the, the creeds started getting longer and longer and longer. And the, um, the list of essential beliefs was getting more and more and more detailed. Until um, in the middle of the book, there was quite a revealing chapter. Because the author said, um, I realize that if the Apostle John or the Apostle Peter were to apply for a job, you know, were to time travel to 2023 and to apply for a job in our denomination, I realize that the answer would be no. They would not get selected. They would not pass the test. And the author, I was thinking, oh, what are you going to say next? The author said, and that is a good thing. I thought, oh, I don't think it is. <laughs> I'm not sure that's right. I think that's a sign the whole project has got totally out of hand. And there are boundaries. There are truths that really matter. Actually, Christmas and Easter, the crucifixion and the resurrection, are some of the really big ones. And there are behaviors. It's not just orthodoxy. It's also orthopraxy. There are behaviors that really matter. Jesus gives us commands about how to live. Uh, anger and pride and greed. And also commands about sex and about holiness. But the, the goal is not to reduce the space of agreement until it's just you left on the head of the pin. And actually, to be honest, most of the time you're not sure about you. The goal is a shared space where we have shared belief and shared purpose so that we can support each other in what is genuinely the same work. The goal is enough walking together so that we are genuinely, we're going in the same direction and doing the same things. And we've said last week that uh, 3 John expresses that in three different ways. 
Verse 6, send them on their way in a manner that honors God. Verse 8, we ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. And then negatively, there's this guy, Diotrephes, and he will not welcome us, and he even refuses to welcome other believers. And those um, areas, they are often misunderstood, but they are huge in the New Testament. In fact, in particular, send them on their way, which is verse 6. I said last week is almost technical vocabulary for mutual support between churches and sending out traveling preachers who have no other means of support and no other salary. So to show you some of that, there is uh, three verses from the New Testament, and each time the word's in orange on the screen, that is the same word as we have in 3 John. And just notice, in 1 Corinthians, he plans to come and stay for the whole winter. This is not someone who's going to sleep on your couch for one night. Uh, He is with you for months. And notice in Romans that he is uh, on his way to Spain. This is about a large church, uh, a church in Rome, the center of the empire, um, and he's going there so that they can provide him with everything that he needs in order to take the gospel to an unreached province, which is Spain. And then notice in Titus, if they do this for Zenos and Apollos, they will then have everything that they need. Uh, We're not helping Uh, We're not being generous. We are making sure they have everything that they are going to need. And then let me see if we can do this visually. So when we send them on their way in a manner that honors God, I think uh, naturally and easily we think about a box of chocolates. Um, So it's lovely. Uh, Quite often when I go and speak somewhere, um, they often give me a a box of chocolates. And that is lovely. Um, Please don't stop doing that. Um, And... um, And that's appropriate, it's unnecessary, but appropriate, because um, you support me. So uh, you house me and you feed me, and so I don't actually need to live off the chocolates that they give me. Uh, But when in the New Testament they say, send them on their way, um, this is much more what they have in mind. Uh, This is the fully laden pack camel uh, with everything they're going to need for the next three months. Uh, and the big bag of gold, because this is their only means of support. Or um, when we see, like in verse 8, we ought to show hospitality to such people, um, I think we think um, dinner party. Uh, so here is this guy with um, you know, three of his best friends, and they're having a lovely time. Um, but at the end of the evening, the friends go home. And that is quite important. And, you know, there's not much that you have to do after that. Uh, Maybe the washing up, though, to be honest, I'm not sure he looks like he does much washing up. Uh, Whereas what John means is much more this. It's the place to stay in your garden. It's the, the Airbnb is yours for as long as you need it. The whole winter pool, yeah, that would be fine. And notice as we come back to our heading that he says ought not might. Uh, All of this, uh, the positive, three John, and the negative, one John, uh, the working with and the refusing to work with, that is what we are required to do. It is normal. 
these decisions about who we'll work with and who we won't work with. Uh, this sacrificial commitment to provide everything that somebody needs for as long as they need it so that they can do this gospel work. Uh, that is normal and essential. Um, and maybe you think that John is, is, you know, unusual and negative. So we have this balance in three John, send them on their way, as opposed to two John, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Maybe we think that is a sort of, you know, he's just a bit worried about the boundaries. But it is the same that we see everywhere. Here is Romans 15, next to Romans 16. So in the missionary letter, the gospel letter, you have boundary Christianity as the place of essential foundation for genuine working together. Uh, so he writes the letter so that they will assist him on his journey, send him on his way, chapter 15. But chapter 16, they need to watch out for those who cause divisions and bring ortho, well, heterodoxy, contrary to the teaching, and you need to keep away from them. Um, so the, the work that um, our mission committee does is hugely important. Um, did you know we have a mission committee and they are hugely hardworking as they uh, pour over who we should give money to and support and partner with all around the world? That is not a niche subject. It's not a thing that some people at All Souls are into. That is essential to what apostolic Christianity is. Christi- uh, Christianity is all about support of other Christians. Um, and mission partner support, it's not optional for us if we're Christian. Uh, in the same way that our global partnerships are not optional for us. In the same way that our partnerships with other Christians here in London are not optional for us. They are actually a test of whether we are an apostolic church. And in the um, the confusion that's currently going on in the Church of England, um, we are being accused of being anti-unity because we are drawing some boundaries. But the, the joyful reality is that I have seen more um, unity, more real unity created in the last two years in London than I can remember in my lifetime before that. Let me give you an example. So um, there are, um, roughly speaking, three large Anglican churches in London. Um, St. Helens, Bishopsgate, Holy Trinity, Brompton, and All Souls, Langham Place. And those three, we've always had friendly, respectful relationships with each other. But a large church, by definition, has most of what it needs on its own, or can feel like it has most of what it needs on its own. We can run projects, we can support each other um, within you know, the gifts and the experience that we've got here at All Souls. And that is okay, if a little bit um, dangerous. And um, when I was... Uh, thinking about applying for the, the role here, thinking about moving here, I asked quite a lot of people, please will you describe all souls to me? That seemed like an important question. And quite a lot of people said this, said, well, we are, um, we're not St. Helens and, and we're not HTB. Um, which, which is a true statement. Um, and, and it's actually, you know, it's reasonably helpful. It's a good descriptive statement. But it's not really what we are. And actually, there's, there's something just a, a little bit, um, we're, we're quite pleased not, not to be them. 
I think it's the, the difference between... I'm sorry, I'm going to try and do a, a sports stadium illustration. I'm sorry about that. Um, it's the difference between support from the stands and support on the pitch. So it's actually quite easy to be good, friendly support from the stands. Um, you know, you clap or you cheer, depending on quite what um, type of stand you're in, and you say, you know, well done or good catch or something. I don't really understand what you say, uh, but that kind of stuff, good play. Um, it's easier to do that than it is to join them on the pitch. Because from the stands, you can clap for people who are doing things but not quite in the way that you would do it uh, and are, you know, saying things but not quite in the way that you would say it. But on the pitch, you have real decisions to make. You have to decide, again, I'm trying to do rugby now, you have to decide whether to bind in the ruck with, you know, the sweaty, mud-covered, uh, blood-dripping, you know, big man who is coming towards you like this on the same team as you. And if you do that, you are going to get driven in the same direction as him, and you are going to get covered in mud. And there's no other way around. Uh, someone who's just finished uh, a PhD in the, the growth of HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, uh, wrote this about the meeting of clergy in London compelled to resist what the bishops are doing at the moment. Um, his comment was, we have been um, separate for 50 years, but tonight, he said, the Bishop of London has reunited us in opposition to what's happening. Um, and actually, that sort of makes sense. The idea that unity comes from doing something together, something real. It comes from needing each other. Um, if it's real, we will be accused of being a bit like them. We will be held responsible for the things that they do and they say. People will assume that we agree. Um, but actually, that is where real unity is found. It's no good being in the stands. We need each other. We must have each other. Okay, well, much more briefly, point three. Um, all of this is so that we support each other, so that we end up working together for the truth. There's something real we're doing here. In the Church of England, um, it's been talked about this idea that we must stay together, even if we disagree and are quite different. Uh, in fact, the illustration that's been used, even if we are, we're so different that we're stretching out our hands, you can't even see that on the screens, and we're just, our fingertips are just touching, better to stay still and reach our fingertips out to each other. Do you see that that assumes that what we're doing is having a picnic in a park? It assumes that we're not doing anything together. It assumes there's, there's no real need and no real threat. Whereas actually agreement is obviously important the moment you're, you're doing something um, important. Uh, about um, 20 years ago now, I led a group uh, to the Lake District for a lovely Easter walk, I thought. Uh, except that uh, on the day we arrived, it snowed more than I've ever seen. Um, and uh, instead of deciding to go somewhere else, like, you know, by the river or to the pub, uh, I decided we would do the walk we'd originally planned to do. So we went up Crinkle Crags, if you know the Lake District, um, and I prepared and I wrote bearings for, like, from each rock to the next rock, and I had it all written on my thing, and we climbed up into the cloud, into the snow. My water bottle was freezing to ice in my pack, and we got to the top of the first rock, um, and I looked at my compass and said, it's that way. And my friend said, I've been here before, and it's that way. 
And we took the decision to split the difference. Genuinely. Um, Crinkle Crags is this tiny little ridge. Um, It's one of three times that I've fallen off a mountain properly and at risk. um, And it was a bad decision. If, if, If we're going somewhere, we need to agree And it is wonderful when we agree. Uh, Last thing I want to show you is a picture. Um, I'm not going to tell you where this is, and I'm not allowed to tell you the real names of the people. Uh, I'm allowed to pretend that one of their names is Emmanuel. Um, And they take the gospel to people who live in a difficult place where it's hard to believe in Jesus. And if you become a Christian, uh, you're at risk. Um, And I was sent the picture uh, yesterday in a thank you email for some money that All Souls had sent. So this is, this is a thank you for your partnership, for your support, um, which means that there are two things you can't see very easily in that picture. Um, you cannot see the petrol in the tank, and you cannot see the meal in Emmanuel's tummy, um, but you put both of those things there in the picture, the petrol and the meal. Uh, this is verse 8, verse 11. This is the good thing to do. This is the good thing to imitate. Because it means that Emmanuel's work is our work. And there was one more picture. Um, Her name is Dima. And she became a Christian because uh, the motorbike had some petrol. And Emmanuel had some food. And uh, told her the gospel. And I opened the email. I'm thinking about three. John, I'm thinking about this sermon. And I got such a clear sense of the conversation that we are going to have with Dima when we meet her in the new creation. Because it is our work that has led to her becoming a Christian. And she's done that in this incredibly difficult situation um, where actually the fact that we have supported, but also the fact that we are standing firm for the gospel at very small cost for us, but some cost, when she is standing firm for the gospel at huge cost, um, is, is massively important. You know, what we've done is very easy compared to riding on a motorbike and going to tell her the gospel. Uh, go without a donut, go without a coffee, give some money. Um, but 3 John says, uh, because we have welcomed and supported, so we have worked together. And that is uh, walking in the light, unity in the light, uh, working together because we have to, we ought to, and because we want to. Uh, Let me pray.